tonight for a very special treat as we are joined by, as they have been dubbed, the paralegal OGs. So we have a collective of paralegals who have uh, been in since the very beginning of when we started allowing initial accessions. And tonight, uh, we also have our delightful co-host, ma'am, take it away. I'm Airman Tejeda, uh, stationed at Luke, and very happy to be here. Absolutely, and we are happy to have Airman Tejeda on the show. Uh, going forward, she'll also be doing a handful of episodes. Uh, we'll be sharing the responsibilities, so you'll be seeing more of Airman Tejeda. But before we get into the, the meat and potatoes of our interview, I'd like to take a chance to, to give our paralegal OGs a chance to introduce themselves. Uh, so we'll start with you, Senior McWhorter, and we'll work our way around. Hello, I am Senior Master Sergeant Robin McWhorter. I'm your paralegal assignments manager. Um, been in the Air Force uh, about 19 years, kind of the same as all the other OG paralegals. Mm -hmm. I uh, had numerous assignments all over the Air Force, and I'm actually about to move to uh, AFDWJA in D.C. very shortly. So, um, yeah, thank you for having me tonight. Absolutely. Thank you for being here. Thanks. Good evening, everybody. I am Senior Master Sergeant Jessica Larson. I am hailing all the way from 16th Air Force uh, here in JBSA Lackland. I have been a paralegal since November of 2002. And I am actually um, going to be retiring in December, so uh -huh. happy to be here. Well, congratulations on your you. uh, on moving on to greener pastures, and yes, thank you for joining us. Good afternoon. I'm Senior Jen Jones. Um, I am the 15th Air Force NAF Paralegal Manager over here at Shaw. I've been in 19 years. Um, as the rest of the OG non-priors here, I'm happy to be here and just share a little bit of our story. Thank you for having me. Thank you, ma'am. All right. Good evening, everyone. I'm, I'm Master Sergeant Steve Wright uh, from the Air Force Recruiting Service. Um, I consider myself an OG, too, even though I've only been in for uh, 16 years, a paralegal the entire time. So just like, like everybody else here. Um, yeah. Well, thank you for being here as well. And again, thank th thanks to each and every one of you, right? We understand that all of you are, are quite busy. Uh, especially given the fact that you're part of our senior leadership of the JAG Corps. So we truly appreciate uh, y'all taking the time out of your days to be here and to, to help not only talk with us, but to help educate, entertain, and connect with all of our Paralegal Podcast viewers. <clears throat> so let's just dive right in. Um, so the first thing I think that it would be great to establish is what made you want to join the Air Force just overall? So I'll go ahead and start. And I kind of feel like maybe my answer might be similar to the others. But honestly, I was really inspired to join, um, honestly, because of 9-11. Um, I wanted to serve my country after that tragedy and just um, just do something bigger than myself. That was that was my biggest reason that I wanted to join. Uh, I'll go next. I joined. Uh, I was in college uh, for a couple of years, and I was trying to work about you know two to three jobs at the same time, and it just became a lot of work. And 
Um, a friend of mine joined the army and she told me about, you know, maybe I should try and join. And my brother told me to do anything but the army. So I went and looked at joining the air force. And so I decided to go ahead and join and I was just going to do four years. And then here I am. So I joined, um, at a high school. I remember um, I was working two jobs at the time. 40 hours, but I just didn't feel fulfilled. Um, I remember in ninth grade, my sister and I had plans to come in the Air Force. We had heard about it. We had done you know, some talking to some recruiters and stuff like that. Needless to say, I joined. She left, um, stayed behind, did not end up joining. But really, it was to fulfill something bigger because I just was not feeling fulfilled in the jobs that I was doing and felt also like Senior Mick Porter said, to do something bigger than myself was important to me. Um, for me, I, I did a little bit of, of college after high school. Um, just like the, the other folks, I wasn't really sure what I really wanted to do. Um, my parents were like, hey, you need to make a decision, you know, what you want to do with your life. So at 20, I decided to say, hey, you know what, I think I'm going to join. I'm a military brat. Um, so, you know, my, my father was in the Army for 20 years, and he was like, hey, you know, I think you should join the Air Force. Um, so I... I came in open general and, and I just decided that, you know, this was going to be my career path and, and I've been enjoying it basically every day. So, we, I mean, we, you can absolutely tell, right? It seems like uh, we've got a smattering of reasons from, from each and every one of you. And, but it seems like overall we have that theme of you wanted something bigger than yourselves. And, uh, you know, it's like more than yourself and you had that desire to serve. So that is, that's incredibly admirable. Um, especially, I, I think, you know, in, in today's day and age, I think it's every day I feel like more and more that means something greater. Thank you, everyone, for sharing. So we'll move on to the next question. Um, what made you want to um, become a paralegal? And also, if you remember, who conducted your interview? Okay, um, so... <clears throat> I joined the Air Force and I, I honestly, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was in the delayed enlistment program and me and my recruiter were going over a number of different jobs and options. And one day he gave me a call and he's like, hey, it was uh, in 2002. It's like, hey, um, paralegal just opened up to, you know, people straight out of basic training. This has never happened before. Um, what do you think about being a paralegal? And the first thing I said to him was, um, well, okay, well, does that mean I'm going to be a secretary? Because I don't really want to be a secretary. He's like, no, 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 no. It's a really awesome job. You really want to do it. And so he got me really excited about it. But then we found out that you would have to go into basic basic training open general. I didn't really know what that meant, but he got me so excited about the job that I didn't care. And so I went in, um, I went in open general. Um, during basic training and at the time I didn't realize like oh I could have been like a, a cook or security forces I didn't realize that till I got to basic training um, so I got there you know I let that I put paralegal first on my list and I let them know I really wanted to do this so went through the interview process um, during basic training so I, I don't remember exactly who they were that interviewed me I know it was a chief and a senior for sure because I was super intimidated when I walked in the room because I don't think I saw it had met anybody that high ranking at that point. Um, but they were super laid back. Uh, we had a great interview. But again, at the end, I asked them like, hey, you know, I, I don't want to be a secretary, right? Like, I'm not going to be a secretary. They're like, oh, no, no. 
Have you seen uh, the TV show Jag, which was really popular at the time? I'm like, yeah, I've seen it. And they're like, yeah, it's just gonna be just like that. And you're gonna jump out of airplanes and it's gonna be really cool. <laughs> so clearly they were messing with me, right? <laughs> because we don't really jump out of airplanes. So they got me excited about it. I obviously got the job and um, me and Stephanie Hankey were the only two out of our class that were picked to go um, out of basic training at that time. So, so that's kind of how I ended up being a paralegal. Okay, I'll go next. Um, so I'm similar. I didn't, when I went to meet with a recruiter, I actually wanted to do a medical job. I did not want to be a paralegal. Uh, they told me that I had to wait eight months for a medical job. And I was thinking, I, if I'm going to join the military, I'm going to do it now. I'm just not going to do it. Um, so my recruiter, I was actually married to a guy that worked at METS. And so he said, well, hey, paralegal is open. And she said, well, no, that's for retrainees only. And he said, no, it's actually a new thing. We can get our job as a paralegal. And I was like, okay, well, how long is the tech school? And he said, six weeks. And I was like, I'm going to do six weeks. <laughs> so uh, I actually got to basic training and I actually had a guaranteed contract as a paralegal. I did not have both in general. So it was an accident. And some, uh, I think the next class, because uh, I was the first class. Uh, so I think maybe the next class, uh, may have had a guaranteed contract. I think Ashley Mann also had a guaranteed contract as well. Uh, so a couple of us did. Um, so it was myself and uh, I think he's Master Sergeant and Senior Master in UFC in the Guard. He um, also had a guaranteed contract, but um, we still went through the interview process and I do not remember his name, but he is now a civilian at AETCJA um, who did my interview. And um, it was, it felt like it was really like five minutes long. I barely remember it. I remember writing a one page bio. Um, I remember doing a typing test. It was very, I, I literally, it was like nothing. And um, I honestly don't feel like it was, I was prepared for what the paralegal career field was gonna have in store for me. Um, but he was like, okay, well, you know, if we pick you, we'll let you know. And I was like, <laughs> if you pick me, I have a guaranteed contract. <laughs> you know, if you don't pick me, bye. I'm not going to be in I'll just leave. <laughs> You're telling me this in the middle of basic training. Um, it was the wrong time. And uh, he didn't know I didn't have, that I had a guaranteed contract. So they had to figure that out. And lo and behold, I ended up being a early so It ended up working out, I would say. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Similarly, my experience was somewhat of a blur. I remember going in feeling super intimidated by the interview process. Um, but for me, it started out, I'd originally come in and I had an air traffic control contract. Um, I, for personal reasons, decided I was not going to join the military. And two days later, I called my recruiter and I was like, just kidding. I'm really going through with this thing. Um, like I said, I was young, naive, um, maybe a little irrational <laughs> um, and brash in some decision making. But ultimately, I decided I was going to come in. Um, he put a contract for open because at that point I had lost the ATC job and put a contract in open general. Um, he called me shortly after that and said, hey, they've opened up seven jobs for paralegals to come straight from basic training. Kind of gave me the back history of you know, before you had to go in and do the two-week admin course. That's what we call or hear about the pipeliners. Um, so this was new to us, and I actually came in with a contract 
for um, paralegal as well, went through the interview process, did the bio. But um, I was really interested in the job to begin with because my dad used to tell me I was like a master debater, like about everything. So of course he thought, hey, she should be in some kind of law type uh, career field. It was a good fit for me. Um, what I have found along the way is I'm happy I became a paralegal and not a lawyer. So that's my story. <laughs> So for, for me, uh, I was in the delayed entry program on July of 05, and I was just I was just tired. I was like, man, I, I need to get in the Air Force. So in January, they're like, my crew was like, hey, you can just go in Open General. We can kind of figure out what you're gonna do when you get to basic training. I was like, okay, that that sounds great. Uh, you know, I get to basic training, and then uh, I think about week three or four, they give you like a list of of potential jobs that you can do. The paralegal was on there. I was like, wow, paralegal. You know, I had no idea what even a paralegal does. I know how to do something with law. Um, so I chose that job. Luckily, did the interview. Um, I'm not exactly sure who the interview person was, but I know it was a senior master sergeant. And, and I know they were stationed at Lackland um, for sure, who did my interview, because they remember them telling me that. Um, I was the element leader at the time. So, you know, I was pretty confident. I was pretty happy. Um, I did, did pretty good on the interview. Had to do the one-page bio, um, did the typing test. I got really, really lucky. Cause, uh, cause my, um, my, uh, my MTI was basically like, Hey, you're either going to be security forces or you're going to be services flipping burgers essentially. Um, so that's what I was told. And I just got super lucky that I ended up, you know, becoming a paralegal. So that, that's my story. I think it goes to show and working at the schoolhouse, I hear, you know, similar stories about that. How did, how did people come in and how, how did they become a paralegal? And some of them were like, I don't know. It just, it just happened. Here I am. Um, you know, and we'll touch on that later about how now that that's not really a thing anymore. You know, it's like used to, it was, I, I cause I can attest to that. I came in open general. I just said, yep, get me a job, get me out of here. And I was prepared for the fact that I could very well be scanning IDs at the gate. And yet, you know, here I am as a, as a non prior service and A1C Tejeda, right? sort of the, the same story. I mean, what, what about you, ma'am? You know, it's like, did you choose to be a paralegal? I did actually. So mm -hmm. paralegal was, I listed six different jobs and my recruiter told me that it was pretty limited and he couldn't guarantee um, that I'd get one of them. And I actually interviewed for the broadcast position. Um, and then a week after he let me know that a paralegal slot opened. That was my top job. That's what I really really wanted and so luckily i had the guaranteed paralegal position before going to basic i'm really glad it turned out that way now you're jumping into this so you kind of get best of both worlds yes i'm trying <laughs> awesome so yeah i mean it just goes to show right it doesn't matter the the background that we come from or how we how we ended up in this position it's really about your ambition and your drive and your willingness to work for it. Um, and I, I think, right, the four of you as the OGs are a testament to that too. It's like everybody came from such a different background, but yet here you are as senior leaders in the JAG Corps. And that was through that hard work and that dedication that didn't, that wasn't just handed to y'all. So it's definitely a testament to that. So y'all have been in, you know, far longer than both Airman Tejeda and I. I'm not calling y'all old by any means, right? But what I am saying is y'all been in for 
far longer than we have. And to that effect, what kind of changes have y'all seen affect the Air Force at large over your careers? So, you know, I really had to think about this one. And, um, I, you know, I've definitely seen a lot of changes in the Air Force, but two of the biggest areas, and I would say this is definitely more recently, are in the areas of innovation and also talent management. So I think we've been doing a great job as an Air Force in creating a culture that in inspires innovation. And I think we've all seen it um, by the spark cells and the innovation cells just popping up at all the different bases. So I think we're, we've been doing a great job about leveraging uh, ideas and acceler accelerating change. So I think we're headed in the right direction as far as innovation, also as far as talent management. So it kind of started back in 2014 when we uh, started doing the enlisted development teams where boards would meet um, to vector our senior NCOs for leadership positions. So, you know, that's that's been around almost 10 years now. And each year, I think we're really improving the process. Um, also, in the past few years, um, and hopefully everybody's been on my vector and now talent marketplace. So um, if you haven't heard, um, uh, the Enlisted Corps is going to start using talent marketplace for all of their assignments. We're kind of easing into it. Next month, we're going to start with um, our Equal Plus ads, and then eventually talent marketplace is going to manage the talent for the Enlisted Corps. So I'm excited um, you know, about those changes. And um, I think, again, we're just really headed in the right direction with all of that as well. Okay, I'll go next. Um, I think uh, one of the biggest changes is how we do um, accessions into the JAG Corps. So, um, you know, all of us as the OGs have gone through the BMT uh, interview process and everything, and as uh, becoming a, the Lackland Law Office Superintendent, I got to see that come kind of full circle as I got to actually perform those myself. Um, it was it was quite interesting seeing how it all worked out and it was quite honestly very haphazard and how it was actually done um i am i for one am a proponent of you know i'm really glad how it's being done now because i feel like it's a little more uh, a little more um deliberate in how we do it um the way it was done previously is uh, the chief of personnel actions at basic training he would um, look at the individuals that were between three and five weeks in basic training at those who are open general or even those that were um, maybe failed out or couldn't meet certain standards in the other fur fields <clears throat> and um, they would have them she would be like hey send these people over to this building at 0715 for a mandatory appointment and she'd send it to this training squadrons. And she would send it to the people that meet like the minimum ASFAB, certain you know, minimum requirements for our career field. And um, they get there, they do a typing test, they do the one page bio, and then she would give them a list like, hey, these are what you qualify for. And if they put paralegal on it, then they move to the, then they move to the interview. So it was kind of like, if all the stars align, you get to have a man, you get to be a part of the paralegal interview. So it was, um, it was, it was hard because also it's like, it wasn't just me doing the interviews. We'd have the AATC chief at the time, um, it was Chief Calhoun. She would also do it as well. And any of the other seniors within JBSA, which there are quite a few, 
we would all do the interviews together. And uh, so we'd all have to meet up at the same time when all of our schedules aligned. So we would go and we would <clears throat> we'd meet with these young airmen at early in the morning, in the middle of basic training. And they're just kind of like, thank God I'm out of, I'm out of regular, I'm not being yelled at right now. And uh, so we'll go and we'll talk to them and we'll introduce ourselves. We'll give them um, an overview of what to expect in the paralegal career field. And normally I would bring one of my non-priors that most recently graduated from PAC. And I would let him or her speak to them and kind of give them the low down, the, the neat and the dirty of what to expect at PAC. And um, we've had a couple of times because as you would know at basic training, you would have your wingman come with you because you can't go by yourself. We've actually, we've actually recruited the wingman rather than that chairman <laughs> that came down. So we've actually done that too. But we... It was very important, especially to me, um, that, and it and also to the other seniors that I was with at the time, that we were like, look, if you don't want to be a paralegal, we don't want you to be a paralegal. Because being a paralegal is very difficult, especially as a non-prior, because you may not, this may be your job for 20 plus years. It's not an easy job. There are things like vicarious trauma, and there are things that you're going to see and go through that you may be able to say, yeah, it's no big deal. You're in basic training right now. It's no big deal. You could totally go through anything, you know? So we try to make it a point that it was, we are very, like, blunt and honest about what you're going to see and go through. And um, with that, it's like you, you can still, you can only gauge what you can gauge in, like, the 30 minutes that you, not even 30 minutes that you're actually spending one-on-one with the individual. You maybe have like 10, 15 minute interview with them that you got to speak with them. Um, for me personally, I would uh, kind of look for a person that maybe had a little bit of, um, that kind of went through some stuff growing up maybe, kind of had that built-in resiliency um, in their history because you kind of need a little bit of grit, in my opinion, to be a paralegal, kind of have that built-in resiliency. Um, then you also look for people that um, speak well. We have them do like a little bit of a reading um, from the AFI. And then you look at kind of their history. You think about like academically how well they would exceed uh, um, like their standards in any kind of academic setting because being a paralegal can be pretty difficult for high um, school. So we do all that. And we do all that. So all that will happen before lunchtime. And so we'll rack and stack and decide who we think is going to be a paralegal. We sit down amongst each other and then we decide. And we have so many seats that we need to uh, fill for the next PAC class. And if we don't have enough, then we don't have enough. We're just not going to just shut people through because we need to fill seats. We're going to, we try to be very deliberate about who we want to go through and not just to throw and fill seats if we need to. So that's kind of how we did it. Um, it was like, Senior Garcia, um, Holden, and Todd, and everybody in there. So we were very deliberate in how we did. I'm not sure how it was before, but that's what we tried to do. Um, I do like a new process now. Um, I think, uh, since you're right, we'll be able. Yeah, yeah, yes, ma'am. I'll, I'll jump in from here. So, like you said, that that old process, um, how you you get to to basically you do an interview. Um, that's not going to be something that we do anymore. You know, the new process now is you know. You know, recruits civilians who want to be paralegals. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna get a guaranteed job, right? Um, so for the Air Force Recruiting Services, we're the office of you know responsibility 
for for those changes, for those interviews. Um, so basically, how it works is, uh, you know, these interviews and, and the cycle is going to be based on the the PAC schedule, right? Uh, so each year, you know, PAC has courses. Uh, for fiscal year twenty twenty two, there's there's five courses, and the the interview schedule is aligned with with those those classes essentially. Uh, so how it works is, you know, a recruiter will will you know will market and, and try to get people to want to come in as a paralegal, right? Once they they identify those folks, um, they do the application process. They'll do the, the typing test. Um, they'll do a writing test as well, just to see, make sure you're a good writer. Um, and then they'll they'll get with us to coordinate to, to do those interviews based on the schedule uh, of a, a time they can actually go to PAC, right? So for fiscal year 2022, uh, we, we interviewed over 100 applicants and selected 68. Uh, for those courses, right? Um, and when you're thinking about the the manpower and the interest that we actually needed, we only needed 44. So when you look at that, we had over 100 applicants, and we only needed to fill 44 44 seats, right? Based on our manpower and our interest. So this is a, a very very competitive process. I like how it was before, where you just got lucky, right? Now you have to actually mm -hmm. want to be legal. Um, you know, you know, advocate, do that interview uh, with with the Air Force Recruiting Service, or or it can also be a a, a designated loss, you know, at the, the closest location uh, of that person as well. But for for mainly though, the Air Force Recruiting Service, myself, the loss of two superintendent does those interviews, and then um, the SJA pretty much signs off as well as our career field manager, Chief Haskins. So that's kind of like the process now, uh, making sure you interview interview these applicants, uh, the best qualified are the folks that are, are getting selected now. A lot of them are, are very smart, very talented, um, have degrees. Um, have experience of being a paralegal before even coming into our, our career field. Um, so, yeah, like I said, it's, it's it's a very very more competitive process, and and I, I like it. I think it, it really improves us as as a, as an Air Force. All right, I'll jump in. Um, so I appreciate what folks have shared. I mean, obviously, I, I thought about this question and going back as far as I could in my young Airman Basic and A one C and Senior Airman days. What kind of changes I saw? I think the initial thought was the changes I've seen in the career field. I remember as a young airman, the changes, you know, everything we were doing for court-martial was all drugs. If you think about what we're doing now for court-martial is all sexual assault cases for the most part. And so um, I think that is indicative of sort of the Air Force as a whole, how we're handling um, sex assault cases. Um, I think that we're handling them a lot better than we did. Um, also, I think as far as culture is concerned, um, I've seen lots of positive changes and, um, you know, diversity and inclusion. I think those are some of the biggest hit homes, aside from what the folks have said already with innovation and things of that nature that I have seen move in a positive um, direction. The vicarious trauma, I think, is a fantastic asset that we added on a few years ago that I think is important because being a paralegal is hard and you know a lot of people are surprised when I talk about the number of mental health issues we have in our career field mm -hmm. and as you're talking about the interview process that's something that's important from a superintendent level when you're talking to folks and even for the career field how we're assessing folks who have some predisposition uh, of some problems maybe that might be indicators that this would be a challenging field for them but I think we're handling it a lot better I think we're talking about it uh, we didn't talk about it when I was a senior airman, I can promise you that. Um, so, you know, I try to be an advocate now to talk about it and kind of dispunk some of the myths out there. It's hard. It's taxing on folks. 
and we need to be sensitive to that. And it's not just, you know, the paralegal career field. It's across the Air Force we're talking about it. So. Yeah, and, and it's a follow-up on, on that as well. I kind of wanted to go back and actually answer the, the Air Force question, uh, what I've seen as well. Um, just looking looking back on feedback, I think that's been a big change over the years. Um, before the, the Airman Comprehensive Assessment, I don't even remember, you know, really getting to, my supervisor really didn't get to know me, right, until that, that changed, right? Once that changed and, and you're really talking about your goals, you're really, you know, talking to each other and, and they're really getting to know you, I felt that that changed a lot of my experience in the Air Force from when I first got in, right? I, I really didn't feel like we got that. And I love that we're transitioning into the, the Airman leadership qualities now. We're even improving that process as well. So those are major changes that's been happening, you know, in the Air Force, and that's going to continue to happen as we grow as a force. But even when we're out, hopefully they can keep improving those those ways where you can get to know your supervisor and your supervisor can get to know you. So I think those are some of the big changes that I've seen over the years. Yeah, it's really interesting to to hear, like, how it's changed from many years ago to recently. Um, I really like what you shared about um, when you're interviewing at BMT, really looking at the personality traits that some folks have and how that aligns with the career field. Because I think a lot of us going in don't really know what to expect, right? Um, for some, it just sounds very interesting or like a important job to have, but also really acknowledging like the weight that comes with that. Um, and sometimes having a um, like a heavy load, right? A lot to do, being under quite a bit of pressure sometimes. Um, and also just seeing like who was doing the interviews before, right? You said it was someone in personnel, I believe, uh, Senior Larson, and then switching over to paralegals who come from the field and have that experience. I think that's definitely key in this. Yeah. Yes, I think it's, um, I think my biggest thing is like, making sure that people have, you can manage people's expectations. That's my biggest thing uh, I'm a big advocate for is, you know, making sure people understand what to expect. And as a paralegal, like people do have that, like, oh, it's gonna be like the show Jag. And it's gonna be like, they really truly think that like, it's crazy. And then like, people really don't understand what you're gonna see as a paralegal. And even like, even as a young airman, I'm I wasn't married, I didn't have children. I could easily read, not easy, but I could read a sex assault case or a child sex assault case and it wouldn't hit me as hard until like after I, had, I was married and I had children. Like things will hit you differently in your lifetime and in different, you know, milestones in your life. So I think my biggest thing and my biggest way to do effective change to the people after me is to ensure that they are ready and their, their, their expectations are managed as they go up through their careers, you know, and that they're not going to be like, oh, I never knew. I never knew that this was what it was going to be like. I don't want that for them because that can be irrevocable damage to them and their own mental health. And that's not what I want for them because I'm not going to lie. Like, I was not ready. And there was my mental health weight, like, it was weighing throughout my career and I wish that we had talked about it sooner and that's why like things have changed as I have gotten more wise in my paralegal days and then um, and I'm a, a huge advocate for mental health for paralegals and making sure that they're taking care of and my people are taking care of and that we talk about it so yeah. kind of my thing 
Yeah, <laughs> and I really appreciate that you shared that because there's a balance between, I think, in our career field, being really thorough and detailed with our work, but also for me being right a much newer paralegal, feeling like the people that I work with care about me beyond my role as a paralegal, right? Mm -hmm. How am I? How are things at home? How's my family doing? And I think that's been fundamental um, in moments where I felt like I feel like I'm getting spread too thin and I felt mm -hmm. comfortable to express that, right? Um, or sitting in on an interview like, hey, that was a little heavy. Um, and it sounds like that's something that's happened over time, like it wasn't always like this. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And and something that I could say, right, just from the the curriculum perspective, you know, it's like we're definitely acknowledging and as a result of what y'all have seen and suggested and uh, the mental health providers that we have consulted with, the professionals to help shape the way that we drive the paralegal field, uh, even on the curriculum side now, we talk about vicarious trauma during PAC and during PCC because we want those, we want our uh, initial accessions, our retrainees, and, and then those individuals who are going to be in CICs to recognize that, that it's very much so a real thing. And it's, you know, it's like when you're, when you're fighting to ensure that, that justice and that process plays out, you know, the way that justice wants it to, it, it can be very heavy. Um, so yes, you know, it's like, that's one of those things that y'all were helping pave the way for, and now you're seeing that pay dividends and the fact that I think we take it serious now. So that is, um, that's an awesome thing. It really is. Absolutely. And our next question was going to ask about major changes in the Jack Corps, but I feel like you all touched some on that unless you had something else to, to share. But we will move on to the next question. And this may be somewhat of a loaded question, but what is your biggest professional regret? So I, I wouldn't say I have a lot of regrets. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed my career, but um, if, I, if I had to pick one thing, I would say it would be not doing a DSD. Um, as a staff sergeant, I really wanted to be a recruiter. Um, my loss quickly talked me out of that and geared me in the direction of JS. Now, I love JS. It was one of my favorite jobs. I actually um, am, fi am finishing my IT degree because of my experience there. But, um, but it, well, and then later on in my career, I also wanted to be a career advisor. And I actually kind of talked myself out of that as well because I wanted to stay in the career field and make positive changes in the career field. But the reason I regret it is because I see a lot of these paralegals that go out of the crew field and do DSDs and they come back with so much leadership knowledge and skills and just things that we don't always get within this career field. So if I had to pick one thing, that would that would be it. I would echo that uh, from the rooftop. <laughs> I would say that um, so when I first came in, I tried to, uh, quite honestly, immediately retrain. Um, but at that time, I was when they said they could deny. I, first time, Aaron, they could easily deny you to retrain. Um, because, I, like I said, manager expectations, I, I didn't, it was not what I expected. But that's okay. Um, I'm still going to do my best at what I got to do. Um, 
I think, you know, the only thing I've kind of done differently from being a paralegal is being a DP, which is one of my absolute all-time favorite jobs, uh, which is so surprising that nobody else wants to be a DP. It's an amazing job. Uh, plug for DPs. But um, I think, uh, you know, I tried to be a, a TI twice. I tried to be first sergeant multiple times. And I just don't know if I just didn't advocate correctly or what the right people uh, those things just didn't pan out for me. And I think it's differently, I think it's different for paralegals who are non priors because if you don't get to do something outside the career field, all you ever get to know is being a paralegal. And then you, like you said, like you see people that get to get out to do other things and come back and it's like you're refreshed. You learn and you see such new perspectives. And like here, so I constantly talk with my friends who are paralegals that are like PIs and I and I mentor them too, and I see them, and I review their EPRs, and I'm like, man, that is legit. Like the stuff they get to do, and the people they get to like put their hands and touch on, like it's like you get to see them be like the tip of the sword. Like it's just amazing the things they get to do, and I, I just feel like I'm just so out of touch with some of the things that they get to do, and I'm just so super jealous, you know. And it's just. I just, I just wish I had had that chance to get to do those things and been able to get uh, to do something different. Uh, but I, I mean, I still did. Like I was always additional duty for sergeant. You know, I worked with the career assistance advisor to teach classes. You know, I still did those things and put myself out there, even though I didn't get to officially do those jobs. Um, so never let those things deter you because you didn't get the chance to actually be them. Um, still go out there and do those things as much as you can. But I will tell you, advocate for yourself uh, to do those BSDs and even DP, even SVP, even those outside the box JA jobs, it, try to make a difference in those jobs as well. So I'll just piggyback off of what those ladies were talking about. So I, I was very fortunate. I did not think it was going to happen to me. I stepped away at about my nine and a half year mark of being a paralegal where I was getting pretty burnt out. So it was in fact, one of the best things I could have done for my career was to step away and go teach Airman Leadership School. I walked out thinking I was a good leader. I went to Airman Leadership School. I was like, man, I suck. I had so <laughs> much to learn. Um, so I do feel like there is a lot um, to be said and a lot of benefit for our career field when we do allow folks to step out and do some of those um, duties, because I do feel like it helped me tremendously to grow as a leader, to understand more big Air Force than I, you know, was really kind of, I was very narrowly focused on 5J. Um, and so that really kind of helped to expand my knowledge about the ways of the Air Force. And, um, but when you ask the question about my biggest professional regret, um, I can think of a number of situations I absolutely bombed, you know, when it came to a, a leadership, um, right or wrong. I struggle with saying I regret those because I do feel like I probably learned my biggest lessons in my failures, um, to be honest with you. And so I have tried to achieve a failing forward, a kind of approach. And basically when I say I fail forward, everybody's going to fail. It's, it's going to happen. Um, it's what you do after the failure that defines who you are. Did you learn from it? Do you do it better the next time? So I have a hard time saying I actually regret those because I do think that they developed me in the long run. Um, I would say probably um, I can officially say I regret 
not seeking mental health earlier in my career. Mm-hmm. I um, did not get medicated. <laughs> I'm going to go real personal, okay? Um, because I think it is part of debunking the stigmatism of seeking help. I should have gone sooner. I do regret not going sooner because I do think it affects the people um, that you work around if you're not in your best mental health state. So that's probably my my biggest regret. Awesome. No, no, that's that's already really, really great as well. And I definitely believe I think doing a DSD job is is definitely something I wish I would have did as well. Uh, I'm getting a lot of great experience being in the, the Air Force recruiting world. So I kind of feel like I'm, I'm outside our career field a little bit, just seeing what these recruiters doing, going to their annuals, doing their events. So I'm kind of gaining some of that great experience. So even doing a, a job that I'm doing now uh, would be you know great for someone coming up who wants to see another side of the Air Force as well. But me personally, one of my biggest regrets is you know the JAG Corps and just the Air Force as a whole is 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 getting you know way more educated, right? School, school is 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 a big thing, and I wish earlier in my career I would have took school a little bit more seriously and already had like my degree and and you know maybe pursuing a master's degree now or, or whatever that is. It's not too late. Right? Obviously, I'm doing those things, but I do wish younger in my career I really you know you know actually did those things because you know I, I think education is is a, is a big thing and we're really transitioning to that even to make the next ranks right to make that senior to make that chief you know education is, is a big deal and i wish professionally I, I would have did that a little bit earlier yeah thank you all so much for sharing i think you all shared really important points and really being transparent about you know what essentially what you would have told your younger self right um i think that's always an important thing to think about for me as i'm like moving through and navigating like the military as a whole and this field is like what would i if i did this before right what would i have done different um yeah but thank you sergeant pearl so yeah that's i think a lot of people can relate to that you know it's like those individuals who have been in a long time and they don't they want to do the dsd and sometimes right the manning just doesn't support that so i i think the the sentiment is definitely there i I sort of feel uh, i feel blessed that i'm at the schoolhouse because it's it's sort of like a pseudo dsd you know it's like it's not uh it's not outside the career field but it's still something different than the day-to-day um so i you know it's like i feel very blessed that i've i've had the opportunity to be there and yeah, you know, it's one of those things just between everybody's, you know, sharing the, those regrets, the, those professional regrets. I think the biggest thing, um, as Senior Jones said, you know, it's like fail forward. We all know we're going to fail. It's it's going to happen. It's baked into our DNA. It's literally impossible not to. And, and that ability to fail forward is always going to propel you into that, um, hopefully that next success. So really, you know, Lee just sort of coming around about what type of improvements would you like to see in the JAG Corps? Because we've already talked about what kind of changes we've seen in the Air Force and a lot of those tied into the JAG Corps. Knowing what y'all know now and, and looking at the current state, where do you hope to see it? You know, not in in just a year, a couple of years, but also, you know, when A1C Tejeda is senior, 
Master Sergeant Tejeda, right? That kind of legacy that y'all are going to leave that that's going to be affecting her and, and where she's going to pick up and run with that torch. So, um, so for me, there's, there's a couple, um, improvements that I would like to see and hopefully get after in the next couple of years. So one being leadership development in the JAG Corps, innovation in the JAG Corps, and also connection and inclusion. So, um, I really, I really hope that we can improve our focus on leadership development in the JAG Corps for our attorneys and our paralegals. I think we do an amazing job of building these technical experts. Um, we're doing a great job at that. I, I can't even see that much improvement on that side, but um, I do see some improvement that that we could use on the leadership side of the house. So, um, you know, some ideas for that would be just infusing leadership training into the schoolhouse at every level, whether it be JSOC, PAC, PCC, and just making sure that we're we're filling that leadership piece. I think we've been doing a good job lately thinking outside of the box with the digital badging initiative. Um, that, that, that initiative has to use some of our technical skills as well as some of our soft skills such as emotional intelligence. So some things that, that I think we could work on. Um, also, as far as innovation, um, I think we've been more open-minded the past couple of years in the JAG Corps on innovation. Maybe that's because of COVID. I'm not sure JAI has taken a, a bigger role as far as uh, being able to leverage some of our, idea, our ideas. We have the Paralegal Modernization Strategic Team that's also coming up with some initiatives. But I'm just really hoping that we can come up with a really good, solid, sustainable program for innovation for the future, future of our JAG Corps. And finally, connection, uh, connection, inclusion, and cl uh, collaboration. So again, maybe because of COVID, um, we've, I've been, we've been doing a better job as far as connecting and collaborating. We now have the Paralegal Facebook page. We have the Paralegal Teams page. I'm constantly on there looking at the interaction. And I have never seen that um, throughout my time in the JAG Corps. Um, so we're, we're improving on that piece. And then also, um, you know, Chief Haskins has started her uh, para Paralegal Connect strategic team, which hopefully everybody has heard about. And their first initiative is doing the Paralegal Reunion at Wright Pat in October. So hopefully everybody, you know, thinks about attending that. So those are some ways that we're, we're starting, uh, starting to get after it. But we just really, I think we really just need to focus on as far as connection, just just like, like you were saying, um, just showing people that we care and just really showing people that we are truly a JAG Corps family so we can foster an environment of trust and just make our JAG Corps a better place overall. Well, I'm on my way out the door, so I can be a little bit blunt and honest. So um, <laughs> if I might hurt some feelings, so be it. So, um, <laughs> so I honestly think the paralegal part of the JAG Corps, we're trying and we're working and we're trying to get there when it comes to transparency and honesty and stuff like that and work-life balance. I think we're trying. I think, you know, we're trying to get there, but it's not translating across to our O side. And I think that... We're just going to be spinning our wheels if we ha if we're trying to do work life balance and our O side doesn't. And <laughs> I know y'all understand what I'm saying and you're picking up what I'm putting down. So 
if we're sitting here trying to do everything we can to have some kind of balance in our lives, but our SJAs and our attorneys are there to ODART 30, it, I feel like it's been the same thing my entire career that we're, we're just going to get burned out. And then like, it's just never going to change. It's never going to change. And that's why our paralegals are burned out. And then we're just going to continue to leverage more and more things on our people. And there are less hours in the day, but you're expecting them to do more. Like, and then our mental health and everything else just keeps getting worse and worse. Like, that's, I mean, that honestly, that's why I'm, that's why I'm retiring. I'm tired. I'm tired, guys. I'm tired. I can't do this anymore. I am tired. And I know other paralegals are tired. And it's, I just don't see it getting any better. So unless you guys, I hope you guys are out there going to make it better. I really hope you guys are out there going to make it better. And I hope you guys are out there going to tell those O's they need to make it better. Because if you paralegals are going to keep spinning your wheels and not telling those jags to make it better, it's not going to get any better. So those are my last words on that. You delivered a sermon right there. You were preaching. That was... I'm, I'm like, those are like my retirement speech. <laughs> no, it's, it's power. It's, so, it's, it's true. It's absolutely true. I'm just, you paralegals deserve so much more than what you are getting. And y'all work so hard and deserve so much more. Oh, those are, it's powerful words, right? Because, I mean, I think mm -hmm. all of you have seen it, and I know our viewers have seen it. If the SJ is there, then the deputy is there. Well, if the deputy is there, the CMJ is there. Well, if the CMJ is there, the NCYC is there. And if the NCYC is there, oftentimes you have a couple of other paralegals hanging around and a lot of times that's where that burnout starts happening is at that like ncic level and then it starts burning down from there because the ncic's a lot of times try to shelter the best they can where it's like all right you know what airman so and so go they're like what i've got work to go right now leave the building and it'll be here tomorrow it's like i'll take care of something hot if it comes up you know, and it, so I, I think you're right, you know, and, and it's, it's something that the JAG Corps, uh, we just have to, we have to decide what's important. We know the justice train will never stop rolling. The justice mm -hmm. train always keeps rolling. And what's difficult right now is like now the civil law train is up because mm -hmm. you have religious accommodations and that train is through the roof right now. So now we're burning at both ends, justice mm -hmm. ends and civil law ends. So it's like, where, where are we going to take a knee? Where are we going to take a knee and let our folks rest and have a moment? Where can we just say, it's okay to let it wait till tomorrow? Because like, it's always going to be there. Like, and that's where it comes from, the SJAs and the deputies and the losses. Like, at, at what point? Because it's always going to be there. But somebody has to say something. I don't know. So, um, what you say? <laughs> well, I was going to say, hey, look, I can't, that's hard, but I'm going to come up with something different. Um, I echo, you know, what you ladies have already shared. Um, there's a lot of truth and a lot of work um, that needs to be had in those areas. I think the JAG Corps faces 
um, some similar issues that big air force is talking about. So cliche, if it might be, but inclusiveness is part of it. Um, I think we can do some work there. Um, bureaucracy is a part of that too. There's a lot of that that I think we can also work to improve um, the life, you know, that essentially improves the environment that we work into. So those would be my two things to kind of add on to the big uh, points that the ladies have already made, which are excellent points. <laughs> I, I honestly believe we're, we're making a, a lot of great improvement, especially with the paralegal development plan. Um, I, I think it's, it's good, but I, I think that itself probably needs some improvement for me personally. Because uh, you'll 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 get your form back and you'll you'll see all these different comments and you'll see your your records on track and then you'll have a, a, another you know chief or, or board member saying hey you need to improve in these areas um, so it's, it can get a little confusing when you when you're looking back at your records and trying to figure out hey either a how can I get I get to to my next step more mentoring I guess it's more like more development beyond just the form I think maybe needed to say how board one day how do they get to a vector um you know stuff like that's what i think needs to be a little bit more improved. and that's just deals with math that math you know paralegal manager and that not paralegal manager getting with with the the loss of of, of a wing or whatever right to to get that that airman there knowing they're going to be you know going through a paralegal development plan where you know they're going to be up for a vector one day so i think there needs to be a little bit more mentoring as far as that goes, as far as the improvement side for that. And definitely, um, officer, I think, more mentorship as far as development. You know, we see a lot of things about paralegals, how you develop. I do think our officers need to develop, too, especially their leadership skills. I know they go to, to SOS and they do different things as well, but, um, you know, I would love to see some plans for them as well, how, how to get them better, better leaders as well. Yeah, those are, I think that's, Right. All of you have had some incredibly constructive thoughts about what we want to see for the future of the JAG Corps and, and how we're going to get there. And I think, you know, it's just going to take a little bit of work, um, you know, from each and every one of us. And, and those that wisdom that y'all are able to impart, how is how are how are we right as the next generation of the jag corps i mean tejeda myself you know and those individuals sort of in our um rank range right it's like how how is the new guard going to pick up where the old guard left off and i think as long as we continue to have leaders who are forward leaning and who aren't stuck in the past who who are resistant to change i you know it's like i think we can make the jag core and the air force overall a better place what about you Amon Tejeda? what what do you think about um you know the the changes and in the initiatives especially with your perspective as you know it's like being relatively new yeah um well, I'm kind of trying to take notes while I'm listening and <laughs> just because I think it's all really interesting because I don't have right past experience to, to see changes, right? Being newer. Um, but hearing this, it's really motivating to to try and change some of the things I'm doing now, because sometimes I tend to be the person that's like, well, I want to finish all my work today and something that's been 
um, and I've had, right, my NCOIC tell me like, hey, you have to go. Um, <laughs> or, you know, it's late that this is tomorrow's work. And I think something that I've come to terms with, and sometimes it's difficult to, to be okay with, is that there isn't a sense of completion, right? It's more so this is tomorrow's work. Like, does this have to be done today? Um, so really just listening to what each and every one of you shared is really just these pieces of advice to take to take with me, right? And to have conversations beyond this, right? Um, I hope that people who also listen to this are able to take these pieces of advice and start conversations where we work, right? Because we can feel this type of way about different aspects of our work, but if we're not talking about it more, right? And talking about, well, how do we move forward? How do we do this different um, so we're not feeling, right? For example, burnt out and having more balance um, that's that's really essential, I think, for like in the long run, our overall well-being, right? I, I think you you summed it up perfectly, right? So that's it's just definitely things to think about. And in that vein, I think you've given our audience, our, our paralegal OGs, y'all have given our audience something to think about, especially our brand new airmen, and I hope that they watch this and that they they take note and they listen and they think about what do they want to see one day when they're filling y'all shoes when they're the senior leaders of the jag corps and y'all have absolutely just knocked it out of the park in terms of giving us something to think about to chew on and and to really try to lay those those that path forward so I definitely want to thank y'all again for taking the time out of your days. I know all of you are exceedingly busy with just a number of things. So again, thank you all so much for taking the time to talk with us and to really just share some of that wisdom. Uh, we, we absolutely greatly appreciate it. It's been an honor. Thank you. Very, very well done. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and with that, you know, it's uh, we we want to thank our audience too for taking the time out of your day to watch this, and hopefully using it to to improve the Jag Corps that you belong to. It, it, and it's it's not just that you belong to it; it's your Jag Corps, and it's your future. So go, you know, go ahead and and speak up, right? Let your voice be heard in the right way, and make make the change that you want to see. So I'll leave y'all on that. Think about that. And until next time, we will see you.